Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and we have a fantastic episode to start your 2023 off right as I am joined by Minnesota Vikings editor and writer, Lindsay Young. Lindsay talks about what she learned as an intern with the Timberwolves and how it made her a better reporter. She talks about how she got started with the Vikings, the best constructive criticism she's received, having integrity, not boxing yourself in, and so much more. It's a great one, so let's get to it. Lindsay, welcome to Get My Job. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to chat with you. I am excited to chat with you and get to know more about you and your career journey. So with that in mind, let's jump right in. Can you start by taking us through your professional journey up until this point? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that I really love just about working in sports is I feel like everybody that I've met, there's not like one direct route. Like Mm -hmm. everybody has such different um, backgrounds and career journeys. And that's definitely the case for me. So I'll kind of try to try to summarize it. Um, So when a little bit of background on me. So I went to a small Christian high school and then a liberal arts Christian college as well. And so when I got when I started college, I really had a passion for writing and I was very interested in journalism, but really didn't have any background in it other than, you know, helping out with like the high school yearbook and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I started school, I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted my major to be. I, it, journalism felt a little daunting or communication since I hadn't really done much in it. So I actually was um, an English and writing major or an English major with a writing concentration. Um, I actually didn't uh, graduate with a journalism or communications degree at all, although I did take some classes as electives when I was in school. Um, But when I was a senior at the University of Northwestern in St. Paul was really when I started to super like dig my feet into journalism and into sports. Um, I started writing for our, just our college school newspaper, my junior year of school. And then my senior year, I was asked to be the sports section editor. And so I did that. And then I also worked as a web reporter intern for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so that was the 2009, 2010 season. And I always get a little bit of a hard time for Mm -hmm. it because that season, well, the wolves have kind of struggled off and on for quite some time, but that season, I think they had like 14 wins. Like it was, it was a terrible, terrible season as far as on the basketball court goes but it was such a great learning experience for me. There were a lot of young players on the team. Um, I think because they were struggling so much performance wise, there truly wasn't a lot of, you know, ego. There were a lot of good experiences for me to um, get to know some of the players and, and cover some of their, you know, non game day events and things Mm -hmm. like that. So that was a really, really great experience for me. 
basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Fast forward uh, a year after I graduated college and I had been, you know, applying to different jobs. I applied to work for Sports Illustrated for kids as like very entry level job. That was one of the first jobs I applied for. Um, Went through the interview process with that, had a few interviews, didn't end up getting it, Um, was applying to all different kinds of jobs with universities and newspapers and magazines and what have you, um, different teams around the country. Uh, a year after I graduated, I decided to go back to my alma mater at Northwestern, and I took a full-time job there running the writing and tutoring center on campus. And while I was there, I, you know, I enjoyed the the university, the campus. I enjoyed working with student employees, but just all along, I knew that that wasn't going to be my long-term. I never, mm-hmm. I never viewed it as that. Um it gave me a really great opportunity to continue writing kind of on the side. I was able to do some editing for um, Bleacher Report, which at the time was a little bit different format than it is now. I was able to do some some blogging and some contract work and, and things like that and just kind of kept looking for jobs. Um, kind of unique way of how I came to join the Vikings um, was... During that time, I was kind of volunteering my time with a local uh, sports memorabilia store. I knew the owner. Um, They did a really good job with uh, different events and autograph signings and things like that. And I was helping out at an event, and I met a former Vikings player there, EJ Henderson. And at the time, he had just started his own kind of company to work with youth and to teach them about exercise and nutrition and that kind of stuff. And it was brand new. We were kind of chatting about that. And I was explaining to him sort of my goals and what I wanted to do. And um, at the time I was writing for a Viking, a local Vikings blog. And he goes, well, you know, I'd love any, any kind of exposure at this point for, you know, what I'm doing. And so I said, well, I'd love to come out, you know, and so I was going to go out and cover it for the blog. And I kind of had this idea in the back of my mind growing up. My mom always told me like, it never hurts to ask. That was always mm-hmm. kind of her mm-hmm. mantra. And so I reached out to somebody with the Vikings and just kind of said, Hey, this is who I am. Um, this is what I do. Hey, I'm going to cover this event that that EJ is doing. Um, I'm, I'm planning to cover it for this blog that I write for, but I don't know if there's any chance that you guys would want to use it. Um, and the response to that was kind of like, you know, we were actually interested in that. We don't have a staffer who's able to cover it. It was sort of this thing, like, why don't you go write about it? We'll look at your work and, and kind of see. And so that ended up actually being the first like contracted piece of, of writing that I did for the Vikings. Um, 
And then that summer, I worked for them for about three weeks down at training camp, helping them to do interviews and gather content and write stories and a couple other things here and there. Um, And then fast forward to that October 2015, and they had just hired somebody new in the Vikings Entertainment Network department who wanted to grow the editorial team. It was just one person at that time. And so I was able to apply for for the position and and go through that interview process and was able to get the job. And so I started in December of 2015. Um, Mm -hmm. And as you know, it's such probably, it, it probably sounds so cliche, but it really has been a dream job for me. You know, I'm, I'm born and raised in Minnesota, grew up a Vikings fan, grew up going to Vikings training camp with my dad and things like that. And, you know, was very open to, to moving wherever and, and applying to jobs with different teams, but it's really been a dream come true to be able to be here and, and covering my hometown team. You know, I, it's so interesting, your story, and this podcast is about you and not about me, but I want to uh, tell a personal story because I think it's important yeah. for our listeners, especially those who are coming up and trying to get their foot in the door and applying for jobs, and it's, you know, it's competitive, and there are only so many jobs. And I, I tell the story because I started Fangirl, originally just covering the 49ers, and okay. met the then head of uh, PR for the 49ers at a Super Bowl party in 2016. And so I got to meet him, at least put a face to the name. He knew I'd started this blog. And I reached out to him after the Super Bowl and said, you guys do a lot of community events and they don't really get coverage because people just don't have the time and the space. And I would love to really cover all of them if that would be a possibility. And it was through doing that, that I started doing that in whenever that was the spring of 2016 then they invited me to training camp and then they, and within that that season i got credentialed and it's just kind of the reason i want to bring that up is they are somewhat similar stories and i think it's important for people to hear that and know that these are the ways to get your foot in the door you cover the things that really do matter really are important the event you cover the community things the fortnighters do that's the stuff that is really fantastic and also gets you to know the people and the organization and to prove your talent and ability and all of the things. And so I I say that as just kind of another anecdote, kind of similar to what you're doing. I don't work for the team. I cover the team, but it's still kind of an interesting idea because it's obviously not easy to get credentialed. And there were a lot of people who, who wanted that. And then this is my seventh season, but it started because of their community events and philanthropy they were doing in the Bay that I wanted to cover and it grew from there. So I just thought it was important to kind of bring that up. And for me, it was a dream come true because I grew up a 49ers fan. Now I'm a beat reporter, so it's it's very different. And I am an unbiased beat reporter and all of that. But, you know, it, it still is somewhat, excuse me, somewhat of a dream come true because I always say there's yeah. somewhere my 11-year-old self can't believe that this is what I do every day. <laughs> right, exactly. Like I, I have that same feeling like multiple times, you know, a month where I just think that. And I love that you brought up that anecdote because it is very similar. And I think it just goes to show like you just kind of have to put yourself out there. And like at the time, you know, it, it was cool to meet EJ and I really didn't know if it would lead anywhere, mm-hmm. but it was like something that I had a genuine interest in doing. Um, and you know, when you just look back sort of over the years, how things come together, it's, it's really great to see that. And I think both of us are definitely examples of like, just get out there, try things, 
um, and see, and, and network too. Like, mm-hmm. I know that that's such a buzzword as well. Um, when people are getting ready to graduate school and looking for jobs, but it really is so true because you just never know who you'll get to know and who might be able to, to help you learn or tell you about a job opening and all that kind of stuff. So I want to go back to something you said about working for the Timberwolves. And I know since you've been with the Vikings, I think for the most part, they've had a a relative amount of success, not maybe Mm -hmm. every season, but so that's probably been helpful in terms of your job. But as we look at now the day to day, and I think this is something important also for our listeners who maybe want to get into this industry. When you look back with your time at the Timberwolves, kind of what did you learn when they're winning 14 games? And so you do have to get creative in terms of content and sharing stories. And so how, in how did that help you become a better writer and editor? Yeah, that's such a great point. And it, it absolutely did because of that challenge, especially when you're working internally for the team, Mm -hmm. because there's people, you know, who are writing for, um, outside outlets or, or columnists or whatever, who can just sort of rip apart the team or rip apart, you know, leadership and stuff like that. And that clearly was not, um, our goal. It's not what we were going to be doing. And so it really did kind of force you to become creative, on storylines and to figure out what you were going to talk about. And so I learned how to do a lot more than just writing a game recap because Mm -hmm. it, it, um, you know, gave us ways to look at maybe specific players performances or things that they were doing off field. I think during a season like that, I apologize. My dog is crunching her toy. I'm trying to get it away from her. <laughs> oh, don't even worry about it. We're a very dog-friendly podcast because my okay, dog awesome. will probably start to bark at some point during it. So don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, so yeah, and I and I think it just, like I said before, it just kind of presented me opportunity to meet some of these players, to really see who they were as people. Um, because I think you kind of reached a point where maybe mid season, it's like, there's this frustration. There's, you know, um, not wanting to talk, not wanting to do things. And I don't mean this in a negative way, but it's just when you have a season that struggles that poorly, there's a a certain time where you are just out of it. And I never Mm -hmm. saw the team lose heart, but I did see them kind of lose maybe that like hard outer shell of not wanting to talk or of being completely frustrated. Cause I think it reached a point of acceptance and just Mm -hmm. trying to win and improve however they could. Um, and so the opportunities that that led me to have, um, whether it be, you know, um, events at elementary schools, or there was like a, an organizational fundraiser that they did where I um, had a chance to interview a couple of players on camera and had never done that before. So I think just the opportunities themselves were huge, but then also, you know, forcing you to be creative and find new storylines to focus on and to tell your fans when you're not able to just say night after night that they want a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if you would have told me ahead of time, hey, the team that you're going to intern with is going to go, you know, whatever, right. whatever was um, 14 wins. But it's like I that probably would have seemed like, well, that's a huge bummer and not a good opportunity. <laughs> but when I was in the midst of it and then looking back, it really was one of those things that you don't realize how much of a blessing it is until later. And I tell people that all the time when they'll maybe make a joke about, you know, the season that I worked. I think it also too, um, it, it's hard to work 
for a team that's that's not winning. It makes the day-to-day a little bit, you know, more um, wearing maybe. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more of a grind. But I think going through that season really confirmed to me that, like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And it taught me how to work for a team that wasn't winning every time. And so that was just like super invaluable experience for me. So some, a little bit along those lines, but also just as time has gone on, kind of what tips do you have for young journalists in terms of building relationships? Because I think especially when you work for a team, it's even different than let's say it might be for a beat reporter or a national TV reporter, because we all have to build different types of relationships in different ways. But when you're working for a team, these are your colleagues, the players are your colleagues, the coaches are your colleagues. And so you're all working together. So what are kind of your tips for building those types of relationships? The biggest thing for me has always been to make sure that I have integrity and that I treat um, everybody in the building with genuine respect. And that's, you know, whether it's in my case, Kirk Cousins or Justin Jefferson, or whether it's somebody on the practice squad, or if it's a head coach, or if it's, you know, the offensive quality control coordinator, you just want to treat people with respect. And I think also, um, it, it probably goes without saying, but I think sometimes it's easy to forget, especially when you get caught up in the fandom of a team or a season that these guys are humans, um, mm-hmm. guys or girls, whoever, whoever you're covering they're they're humans. And there's so much more than an athlete. And for me, it's always been my intention to get to know them as people um, mm-hmm. first and not focus solely on what they can do on the field or on the court or whatever it may be. Um, and for me, like some of the, like you had mentioned covering the, the 49ers community events for me, now that I've been with the team for seven years, I have definitely built some really strong relationships with people that are in the building and, and on the team. And some of those relationships kind of get built initially because maybe I'm at a player foundation event or mm-hmm. a children's hospital visit where there are players there. And, you know, that event in that moment has nothing whatsoever to do with football or to do with, with X's and O's, but you kind of get to see the player in another light. Um, it's a little bit more laid back of a situation where you can have a conversation and they also see too that you care about what they're doing. Um, you care about what they care about. And I think that that is, I think that helps you build a rapport and a trust and a respect that they don't feel like you're just trying to always get something from them. Um, I also find it important if you do work internally or even not internally, even if you're working for an outside um, platform, but you come in on days for media and stuff like that, I think it's really important to just make sure that you, you know, say hi or or have a 30 second, a three minute conversation with these players and with these coaches, not with a recorder in your hand, Mm -hmm. you know, just to see how they're doing. How are their kids doing? How is their holiday? Because that matters to these guys. And for me, I've always viewed it as I don't want you to think that every time I come up to you, I'm sticking a recorder in your face. That's not like the type of professional relationship I want to have. And so I think that goes a long way just to remember that, you know, 
they're humans and they have good days and bad days and things that they care about that have nothing to do with their, with their sport. And I think that goes a long way. Yeah. One of the uh, 49ers players had posted that it was his son's birthday last week. And so I saw him in the locker room, not his son, because his son's one year old, but I saw him in the locker room, um, yeah. on a, on a, you know, during media availability. And I just was like, Hey, how was your son's birthday? And he's like, Oh, it was great. And then that was it. And he was like, wait, is that it? I'm like, yeah, that's all. I just wonder how it was, you know, like that. And it just, there is, cause there is a human aspect to it. But then the other side of that too, is you have to be genuine and authentic in that way. Otherwise totally. it also doesn't work, but, but that was it. And I think that that is really important to have conversations with people. And it kind of goes back to a little bit of what we said about being creative and finding also the stories to tell that maybe not everyone is telling and not everyone is writing. And I think that's something that also helps you really get to know players and coaches better because when you tell stories about things that they care about other than football, basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever it may be, you get to know them in a different way and they get to share parts of themselves in a different way that maybe isn't always the case. That's been the beauty of five fun facts. That's what I think why everybody loves doing it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because you just get to know that person for who they are. And I think if, I think if your only goal uh, to work in sports is because you love sports, I think there needs to be something more than that. Mm-hmm. Like I love football. Love it. I loved basketball. I basketball is still a sport that I really enjoy. I loved it when I was interning for them, but I think first and foremost for me, it's about the people and telling people's stories. And so I think that makes it easy for me that, you know, I don't find the off field things quote unquote boring, you know, um, I still have a lot of passion for my job, even if the team hits a losing streak or if they're not doing well for whatever reason. And so I think, um, definitely if someone is interested in working in sports, like by all means, um, pursue it because sports are incredible, but make sure that there are a couple different, you know, passions that drive you within that space. I absolutely agree. And I think most people really, at least the people taking in the content, consuming the content do not find that stuff boring. It's interesting. It's different. Yeah. And it, it does allow for people to get to know their favorite athletes in a different way, 100%. which is, which is cool as well. So sure. going back a little to the beginning, or even it could be even recently, is there a criticism you've received? And I ask everybody this, that was tough to take at the time, but it's helped to shape you in a positive way. Yeah. So, um, I was thinking about this before we jumped on and I really wish that I could remember specifically who it was that provided me this criticism. Um, I know it was somebody, um, with the wolves initially, and it, it probably was just my direct manager, but anyways, not important. Um, it, I received this advice while I was with the wolves and I've definitely had to hit myself back with it a few times, um, over the years. And that was essentially that I was not listening well enough when I was doing my interview. Mm. Um, and I remember like when I first heard that, like you said, kind of didn't feel good hearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of wanted to, to be defensive, like what? Like, no, of course, of course I was listening. Like, this is important to me. Um, and I think really the point of that was, and what I've improved on so much over the past four or five, six years is I was going into an interview and being so focused on the questions that I wanted to ask that, and part of it too, probably some anxiety that I would forget the question or that, mm-hmm. you know. So I was really inside of my head where I asked somebody a question 
that person is responding to me and I'm not really listening because I'm already in my head thinking about the next question that I'm going to ask. And then there were a couple of times where I would go back and listen to the interview and that person had said something extremely interesting that would have been great to follow up on or ask more about or even pivot the entire interview. And I just sort of bypassed it and went on to this next sort of cookie cutter question because I hadn't even really heard what they said. Um, and so, so yeah, I remember when I was told that at first feeling defensive and kind of hurt and then going back and listening to the interview sort of with a new perspective and seeing just how correct that was. Um, and it's something that I've gotten a lot better at, but it is still something that I need to think about to be, to make sure that, you know, yeah, it's good to go into an interview and kind of have an idea of, of bullet points of what I want to make sure that I ask about, but to really work on being present and hearing what that person is saying. I think for multiple reasons, one, because it'll help you deliver better content to your fans. If you're able to pick up on some of these interesting nuggets that they're sharing, but also too, I think people can see through you if you're not really listening and if you're just spouting off questions to them, um, if they throw something out there that is interesting and you don't really follow up or you don't, you know, have a natural transition into your next question, I think that shows and you want, like we just talked about, you want people to have trust in you to know that you really have their best interest in mind. So that was definitely the piece of advice that was hardest to hear, but also has helped me the most in my career. And I think it is actually one of the hardest things about being a reporter because we do all go into interviews with our questions and bullets we want to get through. But and it's, re- it's really hard. I've definitely struggled with that myself. I think all of us do. And sometimes when you are listening, not you, the universal you, but the, you are listening, yeah, yeah. you pick up things and the story changes entirely because you're like, wait a minute, they just said something so interesting that changes the story I want to tell in a positive way. So, you know, we want to, you want to do that, but I think that's a really good one. I'm so glad you shared it because I think it's really one of the toughest parts about being a reporter. It is. Yeah. It's so easy to just sort of like go through these questions in your mind and have them. But I wish I could remember to the exact interview that it kind of got brought up on, but it was something where I just felt so silly, you know, cause he just sort of like said this really great thing or the, this like really great detail about his life that I could have, you know, followed up on. And it was sort of like, Oh, okay. So then, you know, and just totally pivoted and and felt so silly for multiple reasons. So listening has been one of the biggest things that I've had to work on. If you could give our listeners one piece of advice for starting a career in your field, and maybe you just gave it, but you might have another one, what would it be? Well, that definitely is a big one. Um, but I think the other thing I would say is um, to, it, it's kind of twofold because I did mention, you know, networking and getting to know people. And I think that's really important, but along with that, I would say not to, um, not to box yourself in, into a tiny, tiny aspect of the industry that you want to wa- work in. Um, and what I mean by that is one of my biggest examples that I always share is when I was with the Timberwolves, there was, somebody who worked, um, for Fox sports North at the time he's out in Pittsburgh now, but, um, he did sideline reporting, uh, on camera of the Timberwolves games. And, you know, during the time I was trying to get to know some of the other reporters and ask them questions and network and do all of that. Um, 
And I kind of thought about reaching out to Robbie and asking him. And then my initial thought was like, ah, I don't know. Like, I really don't want to be on camera. I don't want to be in TV. Like he doesn't write. It's a very different type of thing. Like, I don't know that there's any point in talking to him kind of brushed it off. Um, and then maybe a month or so later was like, Oh, I'll just, you know, kind of hit him up and see what he says. Um, and he truly became one of my biggest mentors in the industry. Um, you know, he sat me down and, and took me out to dinner and like kind of asked me all of the tough questions about working in sports and sort of to see how I would respond to it and, and how interested I really was and how much I had thought through these things. Um, and that was huge. And then just gave me advice about the industry in itself, helped me prepare for interviews and all of that kind of thing. And to think about the fact that I really wasn't going to even chat with him because I was like, Oh, I don't want to be in TV. He's in TV. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I always tell people like, get to know anybody and everybody that works in this industry, whether they work for the public relations team or the production side or, you know, social media, like maybe they're not doing the exact day-to-day work that you hope to someday do, but you never know what you're going to learn from somebody else, um, who works in that career world that you want to work in. Switching gears a little. How have you seen opportunities change and grow for women in the sports industry? And how do you think we can still improve? Yeah. Um, love that question. I definitely think, you know, even in the seven years that that I've been in the NFL or just with the Vikings, it's been really, really cool to see. So when I started with the Vikings, um, like I said, the department that I work in is called Vikings Entertainment Network. And I was the first woman to work in that department. That's amazing. Um, It was, it felt really cool. And it was kind of one of those things where it was like a really great feeling, but also intimidating, but also kind of sad, you know, like all of these emotions around it. Um, And I think a lot of women in sports have felt that. Um, And so it, it, it was cool to say like, Hey, I'm the first woman to work in this department, but it's even better now to, you know, the department has grown in general, but um, I should have actually sat down and counted, but I think we have like seven women now, um, in, in the department, which is so great. Um, and there was one time that we went out and did like a, uh, I did a series called purple pups with the Vikings. Um, anyways, very off field focused on, on players and their dogs, but (gasps) this sounds like the best series ever. (laughs) Can we check it out? (laughs) Oh, I will definitely check it out. This literally sounds like the best series ever. And now you've totally given me an idea of something I want to do with the 49ers. Thank you. Oh, it's so fun. (laughs) It's so, so, so fun. Um, but we were filming one of these segments and it was, um, me and we had, um, a, a still photographer and then two videographers and all four of us were women. And it was like, guys, this is so awesome. Like it was such a great feeling. Um, and so I've seen opportunities for women definitely open up. Also, I've seen um, things, Tracy, I'm sure you're um, familiar with Galvanize. Yes. Of course. Absolutely. We've had Laura on the show. She's amazing. We love Galvanize. We (laughs) love Laura. Laura (laughs) Oakman, for anybody who doesn't know, make sure to check her out. She is um, absolutely incredible. One of the best in the industry and Galvanize has been just fantastic. Yes. Like so good at what she does. Such an amazing, like genuine champion of women. Um, And I did do one of her Galvanize camps in 2018, I think. 
But I remember thinking like, oh, I wish this would have existed when I was like coming out of college and looking to get to know other women and get tips on working in the sports industry. Um, And so things like that just galvanize specifically or um, like what you're doing with, with your podcast and the website, like it's just huge, I think, for how it brings in other um, women fans and helps support women who want to be in the industry. I would say like the ways that we can keep improving are, um, you know, just how, just keep going with what's been happening. I think the biggest thing is just continuing to make sure that we put ourselves out there. Um, There are still so many, I think, generalizations or stereotypes that if you're a woman in sports, you are either a cheerleader or you're on camera. Mm -hmm. And like, well, both of those things are really, really great. Like there are so many other pieces of it. Um, And we have some really great women, like I said, who work in production and in the control room and, and things like that. And so I think kind of just breaking down some of those stereotypes is really important. Um, And then just being advocates for, for women too. You know, Um, I have an incredible group of male coworkers that I work with at the Vikings and they're absolutely a family. And I know that they advocate for me as a woman in sports. Um, I've had some of them have some situations where some of them have had to step up for me um, in situations outside of the Vikings organization where there was an issue with wanting to let me into a locker room or things like that, which have happened very, very seldomly. But when it does, it's important to have those, those advocates who are going to continue to champion for women in sports. And so I think generally speaking, like there's so many positive things and we're moving in the right direction, but, um, you know, we just have to continue going that way because there is room for growth for sure. Absolutely. And just continuing to amplify women's voices and, and focus on women and empower women in the industry and female fans, all of the things that you just said are so incredibly important. So we are coming to now one of my favorite parts of the podcast because I ask everybody this and everybody picks a different day, but I I think it's fascinating to just hear. It can be a game day. It can be a weekday, whatever you want it to be. But could you take us for a day in the life of Lindsay Young? Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay. I will do, you know what? I will not do a game day. All right. Um, I, I will, what I'll do though, is I'll do, I'll do a Friday, um, a Friday in season. Um, I really love Fridays, um, in season for multiple reasons. Obviously you are getting close to the weekend, but I just like the vibe of Fridays, um, Mm -hmm. in the building. And so for anybody who might not know, generally speaking, um, in the NFL, if you have a Sunday game, um, Mondays, players will have like meetings and stuff like that. Tuesdays are their day off. And a lot of guys are out in the community. Um, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays are practice days. Um, and so for me on a Friday, we generally have, um, a 9am, like a 10 minute call with our public relations team, which is really helpful just to make sure everybody knows what's going on that day. Um, who has interviews where, um, if there are any, you know, team announcements that we need to be made aware of or anything like that. Um, and then, you know, obviously in any open time, you're just working on things you need to work on, but, um, 10 30, we have a call with 
our whole Vikings Entertainment Network team on whether it's a home game or a road game coming up, just sort of what to expect that week, kind of the logistics of of anything that might need to happen. If we have a player who's going to be mic'd up for the game, we find out who that person is um, and things like that. Um, And then when you get a little farther into the day, um, what we do is we uh, go to the uh, beginning of practice. It's usually like around 12 or 12.30, I believe, on Fridays. It kind of changes around. Um, But we'll go to the beginning of practice, and that's an open media portion with um, internal people, but also other reporters from ESPN or the Star Tribune or our local papers, whatever it might be. Um, And then at the end of practice, there's a a closed portion of practice, and then at the end of practice, we do um, a press conference with um, head coach Kevin O'Connell where, you know, you can obviously um, ask whatever questions you might have sort of rounding out the week. He'll provide the final injury report, which is always something that fans are interested in. And of course, reporters just to know um, which players are going to be maybe out for that week's game or questionable and things like that. And so Friday's injury report always kind of becomes a big thing. Um, And then we have our open locker room period and we do have open locker room um, on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The reason that I especially like Fridays is because I feel like for the team, their week has kind of wrapped up. They have an earlier day on Friday and so they're not rushing off to meetings and things like that. They have lunch catered into the locker room on Fridays. And so there's just a lot more community and people hanging out and kind of staying around that area. Um, and just very low key too. And so Fridays are days that I really look forward to um, either having those just off the record, fun, casual conversations with people like I had mentioned before, or sometimes there are like larger feature stories that I'm sort of chipping away at. And that provides a good window to to talk to somebody. Um, maybe for instance, I'm working on a feature right now on our special teams coordinator. So Fridays offer me a good chance to to bop around and talk to a couple of guys for the story that I'm working on. Um, and then, you know, by, by early afternoon, you're sort of starting to, to wrap things up. The team heads out at that point. Um, and then for myself and my two coworkers in editorial, um, Craig Peters is my manager. And then we have Sam Thiel, who, um, is an assistant with us this season, but we then work on our final thought piece, which is, exactly what it sounds like. Each of us kind of present a final thought that we have going into that weekend's game. And we put it all together in one article and kind of get that up and out. And, and usually Fridays are a little bit earlier days for us too. So I just really like Fridays because, um, they are a little bit more low key, but can also be one of the most productive days of the week. If you really Mm -hmm. have your ducks in a row. Um, and I think too, you just feel the energy that the team has for going into the game on Sunday. So it's the end of the week. You're feeling tired, but everyone is just excited and juiced and ready to go. And, you know, we really feed off of that too. And it's something that I really missed um, over the two seasons where mm-hmm. where COVID protocols were in place and you weren't having that in-person interaction. So I think, especially why Friday came to mind for me too, is those are things this season that I just have not wanted to take for granted. Mm-hmm. And I've just really appreciated for sure. 
So that's awesome. And I, you know, that's true. There is something about the Friday. That's a very, it's a very good yeah. point. And I'm not always there on Fridays. I'm, I'm okay. there every Wednesday and Thursday, but when I am there on a Friday, I'm like, I like Fridays. We have a piece of content called the Friday five on Friday. So okay. sometimes I, I can't do both, but, um, so, on the day, but I, it is a different vibe. It is a different vibe. The locker room is a little more relaxed and on all of the things. So I love it. And I love that you picked a Friday and we get a lot of game days and it's so, you know, it's fun to hear about game day, but I just love to hear what is the week like? And I think that's the part, that's the part that we don't see every time. You know, that's not the right. part we're going to see on Instagram and Twitter, but it's, it's yeah. to hear about it. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. And I appreciate you sharing everything with us. This has been a fabulous episode and I have loved getting to learn more about you, but I can't let you go yet because we have to do five fun facts, which oddly enough, originally was born. I will tell you in 2015, it was before I was credentialed, but it was 2015 when I first started Fangirl and the 49ers were terrible. And they're, <laughs> I mean, absolutely awful. And every week I was doing videos and a podcast and writing about how terrible they were. So it's like, I got to come up with something. And their kicker, Phil Dawson, was their leading scorer. So I was like, yeah. I'm series called five fun facts five fun facts on phil dawson and i love alliteration but then that's five fun facts was born so it became five fun facts on rivalries of the week and players i was like this is a different way to do it um and then it's become something i do with the 49ers players and they love it because they get to share parts of themselves Uh, but on this podcast we ask everybody the same five fun facts which has been cool because all these different answers so if you are ready five fun facts with Lindsay young bring it on what is your favorite moment in sports? Um, the Minneapolis miracle. I mean, I, if I had to guess, I figured that that would be it. <laughs> yes. Um, being, being at us bank stadium for that and being in the press box was honestly, it was incredible. Um, obviously things went the right way for, for us in that moment, but, um, just so many emotions. And I think what was so cool about that moment is, it really felt like my worlds collided because professionally it was so awesome and it was so energetic, but there was absolutely like the 10, 11, 12 year old Lindsay Mm -hmm. that was just like so immersed in this experience and in this exciting Vikings win that like, it just really brought it all together. So yes, so far that is uh, my top. What is your life motto? Honestly, it's, it never hurts to ask. I know it's I already brought that up, but that's something that my mom taught me and I've stuck with it. It's, it's such a good one. The, the worst that can happen is they say no. It's the absolute exactly. worst. And exactly. It'll be fine. What's your go-to workout? Um, you know, it used to always be um, just going to the gym and doing the elliptical, but post-COVID, I've gotten really into taking long walks and listening to podcasts or music. Um, and especially now that I have a dog, I like to do that. So honestly, it's just getting out fresh air, going for a walk. Your go-to coffee order. Um, it is a half calf because you do not want to see me fully caffeinated. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good for anybody involved myself or anybody around me. <laughs> um, just a, a, a half calf iced latte, um, with 2% milk and sugar-free vanilla. And a book every woman should read. Oh, I know that you had told me this ahead of time and I just couldn't think of one, um, that specifically is just for women, but one that I've been really into lately. Um, and it's just for fun, not any sort of, you know, nonfiction, but the silent patient, if you haven't read it, it's an absolute, like it 
will suck you in. It's a thriller. It's a mystery. Um, and it does kind of have a woman's perspective in the book, which I really enjoyed. So we'll have to put a plug in for that one right now. All right. And I am looking for a new book. So thank you very much. The Silent Patient. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you tell everybody where they can find you on social and beyond? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would love to connect with anybody on social. Um, my Twitter is Lindsay, um, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, Lindsay M-N Sports. Um, really love to connect with women or, or any, you know, sports fans and um, definitely wishing 49ers fans the best, the best of luck too, as we go forward. I know, um, the NFC conference this season has just been really fun and it's great to see where everybody is headed. Oh, well, that's very nice. I'm sure all the Friars fans listening will appreciate that. Well, best of luck to you and best of luck to the Vikings. Sorry, 49ers fans, but it is the right thing to say, and I do mean it. And best of luck <laughs> to the Vikings. You guys, we are brought to you by Bet Online. And with that, I will talk to everybody next time. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.